All right, open your Bibles with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to start reading in verse 19 through the end of the chapter. Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, said, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under law, no, not being under, myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessing. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Let's pray. Father, we uh, thank you for your word. We thank you for the Apostle Paul, who was willing to, to put aside his Jewishness to win the Gentiles for Christ. Lord, I pray that you would just give us open ears to hear your word this morning so we too might compete in that race, the race of sharing the good news of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Years ago, I, w- I worked at the YMCA, and this title actually comes from a game that we used to, an icebreaker we used to do at the YMCA. It was called People to People. And the way that the icebreaker worked is um, one person would call out elbow to elbow, and you'd get in pairs, and you would touch elbow to elbow. And then they would say, uh, uh, hand to hand, and you would touch the other hand to the other hand, and then they would say ear to ear, and you'd kind of be stepping out of your comfort zone there to kind of put ear to ear, and then they would say people to people, and you would change persons, and then you might get a little bit more complicated, and you might put forehead to forehead, or or, or you might put hip to hip, and, and but it was all designed to kind of break the ice, to kind of put people out of their comfort zone. And so this message today is Paul basically saying, we need to step out of our comfort zone. We need to do what it takes to win people to Christ. You know, one of my favorite people in in the PCA is Frank Barker. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of the name, but he started Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama years ago. And he built that church into a mega church. But he was an introvert. He, he really didn't like, you know, opening his mouth that much. But yet God really challenged him early on. 
And early on in his ministry, he tells the story of, of how he would drive down the highway and he would see this guy building a house. The guy was a foreigner and he was building his house. And, and one day, Frank stopped and said, can I help you build your house? And for two weeks, Frank and that guy worked side by side. Now, Frank didn't know anything about building a house. He tells a story that that guy probably would have been a lot better off if he hadn't ever touched a saw or, or helped mix mortar or whatever. But Frank did it all so he could share the good news of Jesus Christ with that man. In verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 9, we see Paul being willing to humble himself. Look with me again at verse 19. It says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. In Matthew 20, when the mother of John and James was requesting that they have seats on Jesus' right and left-hand side in heaven, she replied that that decision was God alone. Jesus did not emphasize position of power. He said in verse 26 of Matthew 20, But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give life as a ransom for many. Jesus, the Son of God, the second man of the Trinity, humbled himself to be a servant. We all know the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Whose job was that? That was the servant's job to wash people's feet in the Bible times. Wasn't Jesus' job? Yet he went and humbled himself and washed dirty feet as an example of what it meant to serve for his disciples. When you think of the life of Paul, we see how much he was willing to give up to share the good news. He was willing to be imprisoned, to be beaten. And he had to flee at the middle of the night several times to escape. But it was all about his desire to win some, to share the good news. Paul was constantly outside of his comfort zone in order to share this good news. As a missionary in Ecuador, I felt, yeah, I was a little bit outside my comfort zone. But there was a McDonald's down the street. So it wasn't completely outside my comfort zone. Now I'm going to Africa, and my wife and I are going to Africa. And, you know, I feel like we're stepping a little bit further outside of our comfort zone. There's no American restaurants. You know, uh, every day we're going to have power outages. We already know this. Uh, if you don't have uh, city water, you only have water a couple times a week. Luckily, there's a well at our house. But there's things about Africa that's just going to stretch us. But you know the worst part about the thing about being in Africa is having to leave family. You know, when we went to Ecuador, we took all four kids with us. And over the course of time, one by one, they left our house. And, and uh, when we finished in, in Ecuador, we didn't have any of our children with us. But it was still, you know, uh, uh, not that expensive of a plane ride and not that long of a plane ride to come back. But Africa's a little bit more of that. Takes a little longer to go and a little longer to come back and a little bit more expensive, well, a lot more expensive. And that's really us stepping a little bit further outside of our comfort zone. But why? Because we want to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. Paul uses the phrase, 
might win or to win five times in verses 19 through 23. Obviously, winning's important to Paul, but the key is what he wants to win. He, he's not talking about winning the World Series or winning the Super Bowl or winning the Masters Golf Tournament. He's talking about winning human souls. That's his prize. The winning is to have a hearing, to be able to have an audience to present the good news. Look with me in verse 20. And Paul says, To the Jew I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under law I became as one under law, though not being, un- being myself under law, that I might win those under the law. Paul's was ca- Paul was called to be a missionary to the Gentiles. Yet, quite often, where was his first stop? It was to the synagogue. He would go into a city and speak in the synagogue where the Jews were. So his first stop, quite often, was to be a witness and to testify to the Jews at exactly the place where the Jews were. And when he was with them, he was a Jew. He ate with them. He didn't break the law of the Jewish laws, the ceremonial laws that they were still participating in. When he was with the Jews, he ate what the Jews ate. And so he was being a Jew to the Jews in order to win the Jews. In verse 21, he continues and he says, To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. He was willing to show Um, He was willing to participate with them as well in their culture. It it was like he was stretched. um, I realized that Paul was being obedient to the call that he had received. He was called to be a witness to the Gentiles. But when I think about it, uh, could you picture Paul as a young man before his conversion? And somebody said, you are going to be the greatest witness ever to the Gentiles. What do you think Paul's reaction would have been? He would have said, me? No, no, not me. But yet God was calling him, stretching him to go way outside of his comfort zone as a Jew to the Jews. I mean, a learned Jew stretched to be a great witness to the Gentile nations. What do you think? Um, no. He did this by stepping out of his comfort zone. When Paul was in Athens, where did he go? First he went to the synagogue, then to the marketplace, and finally to the Areopagus. I don't even know how to say that word. But it was kind of where the, the, the philosophers were gathered in Greece, in Athens. And it was this place with... Like it would be going to the University of Arizona and trying to, to, to reason with the professors, you know, these philosophic philosophy professors at the University of Arizona or, or, or somewhere where there's all these learned people who are so far away from Christ. But that's where he went. And you know what it says? It says that some of them came and believed and joined with him. During our time in Ecuador, we got involved in a community called San Luis de Pigulca. Now, this little community was a Quechua community and was about two hours 
north of Quito. And uh, it was where Robin did her master's degree project. And the reason we chose this community was small, and she could do a participant pro pro uh, project where everybody in the community can participate with us in the project. But that wasn't all that it was about. It was really about us going and being a part of the community, learning, feeling what it was like. And so we would spend two or three days a month driving the two hours and, and just hanging out in the community two or three times, a couple of times a month usually, for about a year, just living and being in the community. And, and we got the opportunity to participate with the community. We, we, we got the opportunity to go one day and choose the godmother for a bride. That was quite an interesting story. We, we got to eat guinea pig with them. You know, everybody needs to eat guinea pig at least once in your life, right? And, and, and we got to make these things called wawas de pan, de pan. Wawas de pan. Well, wawas de pan are like bread shaped in the shape of babies. Okay? And, and, and colada morada, which was like this purple, fruity, flowery, thick, hot drink. That they would drink for fest you know, at this festival with the wawas de pan and 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 the the colada morada, and it was just just a joy to to get to know the community and and to be able to do it. But why were we doing it? We were doing it in order to where we could share the good news of Jesus Christ. Now I wish I could tell you that everybody in the community believed, but I can't do that. I can tell you that several of the kids believed. I can also tell you that even now, one of our national workers from Ecuador is going up to that community regularly to continue the work that we left behind. Paul continues now in verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 9, when he says this, To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all men's I might save some. I talked about, I talked earlier about Paul humbling himself. This is another example where he brought himself down to the level of the people. There were times when he was bold with proclaiming the gospel. Yet there were also times where he showed compassion, like in Acts 14. Look with me in Acts 14, 8 through 10. says here, this is when Paul and Barnabas were at Lystra. It says, Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. You know, we always, oftentimes in the see Jesus healing. That was throughout his, his time. We don't often see Paul doing that, but here we did. Paul showing compassion on a crippled man. And he became weak for those weak people. He had compassion for people. We, too, need to think about how we are going to deal with the week around us. When I lived in Carrollton, Georgia, I spent two years there between our time in Guayaquil, Ecuador, and Quito, Ecuador. 
converting from being short-term missionary to long-term missionary. And we were at a PCA church there. And uh, when we got there, the deacons had this way of dealing with people. They came off the street. You came off the street and you pulled in the parking lot. You could fill out a request for help with your electric bill or help with your utility bill. And once a year, they would write a check to help those people and and they would basically leave it with the secretary and the secretary would say, come by and pick up the check. Or maybe the deacon would take the check to them. But that was their methodology of helping people outside the church. And I kind of scratched my head at that. And there was other people in the church that were kind of scratching their heads at that. And a group of them got together and read Tim Keller's book called The Call of the Jericho Road. It's a really great book on mercy ministry. And I got to study that book with them. And we went through the study of the book over several months. And they really got excited about it. And it was great several years later now to go back and visit the church. This, this year, a couple month, month ago, I guess, last month, we spent some time at the church. And they told this story. And this was people who had studied this book with me were telling me this story. And they said this, that one of the elders, Joel, had a student in his class that he, he teaches at the public high school. And he had a student in his class who he realized was having some issues at home. And he began talking to the student. And one day the student says, I guess Joel said, well, well, what do you do for fun? And the guy goes, well, I shoot pool. And Joel goes, well, I like to shoot pool. Where do you shoot pool? And he tells him where he shoots pool, thinking that Joel would never show up and shoot pool with this guy. But one day Joel went and showed up where they shoot pool. And, of course, as soon as he showed up, they were putting out their cigarettes and stuff, you know, because you know, high school students can't do that type of thing, of course. And, uh, but Joel shot pool with him and began to build a little relationship with this student. And he found out that this student's mother was an alcoholic and was basically depending totally on the student to provide everything for her, to do everything. And it wasn't a good situation. And so as Joel began talking to the student, the stu- he realized that the student needed a change, somewhere else to live. And uh, so he got together with the church, and they rented an apartment for the student. But it turns out that the student wasn't just him. He had a girlfriend who was pregnant. And so they wound up renting the apartment for the two of them. And uh, neither one had a car. And so they kind of helped them with transportation. Like, like five or six or seven families of the church were basically doing all the transportation for this couple. And then uh, as they got knowing this couple a little bit more, they, they wound up buying them a car, helping them buy a car, um, and helping them find jobs and kind of just setting up. And, and the other thing they do is they come to church on Sunday. This couple does. And during the Sunday school hour, one of the elders meets with them, counsels with them, uh, financial counseling, uh, just, just, you know, discipling type of counseling. Why do they do it? In order to win them to Christ. I can't say that they're believers yet, but there's a continuation of working with this couple so this couple can know Christ. Verse 23, Paul further emphasized the why. Look with me here in verse 23. It says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessing. It is a privilege 
to lead someone to Christ. And here Paul is saying that he wins souls for Christ so that he can share in the blessing with them. It's a blessing to have that opportunity. Paul knows as well as I do that it's not about him. It's about Christ. Christ does the work. We just get to participate with him. Christ is the one who changes the heart of stone into a heart of flesh so that people can know Christ. But Paul also knows that as a servant of Christ and sharing the gospel, there's a joy and a blessing to see people who we have witnessed to when they come to Christ. It's just a joy. It's fun when somebody prays to receive Christ after you have the opportunity to witness to them. You know it's not you that does the work. I remember in Guayaquil that my Spanish when I first got to Guayaquil was really bad. I mean, really bad. And, and, and one, I did youth group. And, and Robin couldn't go to the youth group with me because, because she knew how bad my Spanish was. And, and, and she would always want to be correcting my Spanish. And it was just difficult for her. But, but one day in youth group, I had, I had the opportunity. I, actually, I wasn't supposed to be teaching. And I was working on a message the next day that I was going to be preaching in English, which preaching, by the way, is not my thing. But anyways, I, I was going to be preaching in English and, and, and I decided that I was going to do an evangelical message. I was basically going to do, you know, just do an evangelical message to, because a lot of people weren't believers that were coming to church at this church. And so at youth group, I, I, I presented the, the, the gospel in Spanish. And it was really bad. But five girls received Christ that day. And I know it wasn't anything I said. It had to be the Holy Spirit because I know my Spanish just wasn't wasn't there. But the the cool thing is, one of those girls, and this is probably ten years later, nine or ten years later, is preparing her to become a missionary. That's her heart's desire is to be a missionary. And so it's neat to see that type of fruit. Look with me now in verses twenty four through twenty seven. It says, "Do not, do you not know that in a race?" All the runners compete, but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Corinth is a Greek city, and the Olympics weren't that far away in Athens. And the Corinth also had this thing called the Isthmian Games that were held there. And so Paul's metaphor of sports probably spoke to them, probably resonated with their who they were. And uh, so we see that that this the desire to to gain this perishable wreath kind of being one of those things that they would be, probably see as really something of, of great worth to, to run a race, to win that prize. Yet Paul is, not say, is saying that perishable things, that's what they are. They're perishable. We're running the race not for a perishable prize. We're running the race for heavenly prizes, souls, winning souls, Growing in Christ, that heavenly treasure that he speaks about in other places. 
That's what we're doing. But it requires training. You know, I was a swimmer, and I swam all the way through university. And uh, during, during my senior year in, at this small college called Austin College in Sherman, Texas, I had a desire to qualify for the NAIA Nationals in the 50-yard freestyle. And the qualifying time was 22.49 seconds. You know, you think about 30 years ago that that's when this was. That I would forget about things like that, but some things just stick there in your memory. So it was 22.49 seconds. At the very last meet, I mean, like I had trained all season. I had spent my hours in the pool. I had spent my hours in the weight room. I had done everything that I could do to train for this. At that very last meet, I missed the time. But they let me swim it one more time at the end of the meet. I did 22.46 seconds, three one-hundredths underneath that time, and I made the goal because that was the goal. I trained to win the prize, obviously an earthly prize, but Paul is saying that we need to train to win that heavenly prize. And how do we train? We train by spending time in the Word, We train by praying. We train by attending worship and worshiping as community together to train ourselves to win the prize. Look with me at 2 Timothy 4.2. 2 Timothy 4.2 says this, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. This is Paul encouraging Timothy, young Timothy. We don't know how old Timothy really was, but we know he was a young guy. And Paul is saying, prepare yourselves, be ready whenever the opportunity comes up, because you never know when that opportunity is going to arise. I remember one time we were walking to a Quechua church. This is typical of a Quechua church in, in, in Ecuador. We walk in and, and uh, sit down, and because you're the missionary, next thing you know is they say, uh, Pastor wants to know if you'll preach today. <laughs> and so uh, you're going, uh, I don't have anything. Okay, yeah. Because you've got to be prepared and ready. That just what takes place. Question is, are you ready? I felt called to mission 17 years ago. And you know what? I had hardly any real preparation. And uh, so after feeling called, one of the things, you know, Frank Barker was the, the, that's what kind of my passion for him, why I like the guy, because he actually spoke at the missions conference where I felt called to missions. And uh, he said you had to do three things, pray, read missionary biographies, and go on a short-term missions trip, to, if you feel like this is really your call. 
I'd really say there's a fourth thing you need to do, and that is kind of prepare yourselves. And, and so that just be so after being called, I, I signed up to go to South Africa on a short-term missions trip. I felt like I needed to prepare myself, and so um, we did evangelism explosion at our church in Salisbury, Maryland. And the evangelism explosion is a great tool for giving you a framework of how to present the gospel. And so I took that class uh, before I went to South Africa to prepare myself. And, uh, you know, it was, it was really neat how God uses that. Because during my time and two weeks in Africa, I was working with an organization, university organization there. And I had the opportunity to present the gospel at least once a day if not twice or three times a day. Uh, there was times where, 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 where we went to one dinner at one place, and I shared the gospel there, and then we'd get, get to some other place just in time for dessert, and, 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 and we would be sitting around with the university students. I said, uh, what do you think about what he said? And they said, oh, yeah, that's pretty interesting. I said, I've got a question for you. you know, I don't know if you know, EE starts with two questions, at least it used to. One was like, I can't remember. Have you come to a place in your spiritual life where you know for certain that you would be going to heaven tonight? And, and then the second question is, if you, if you were to stand before God and he were to say, why should I let you, let you into my heaven, what would you say? I, those were the two basic questions. And, and, and I'd have the opportunity to ask those questions all the time because I had been prepared. And, and so my question to you is, are you prepared? Are you ready to win souls for Christ? Because that's what it's about, winning souls. And that's, that's why I'm going to Africa, is, is because I have a desire to see people's hearts change and to see people come to know Christ as their Savior, because that's what it's about. And that's what it's about doing Bible translation. To put a Bible in somebody's heart language is about giving them the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus Christ in their native tongue so that they can come to a knowledge of who Christ is. And so I encourage you to take that step outside your comfort zone so that you can win people to Christ too. Whether that's knocking on your neighbor's door or whether that's going into inner city Tucson or whether that's going to Zimbabwe, God knows and he has a plan for you. Let's pray. Father, we uh, thank you and we praise you because you are, you are our all in all and you're the one who changes people's hearts and you're the one that calls people to your service as well. And I thank you for the calling that you have put on me, and I thank you for the calling that you have put on all of us to be makers of disciples and to win people for Christ. Lord, I thank you. I praise you. Just go with us from here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.